0: Feel like I'm talking in a bucket, uh, just a tad there. Second Timothy chapter two is where we're at this evening. Second Timothy chapter two, on our Sunday night, uh, we have been talking about metaphorical impactors and uh, metaphorically speaking. And tonight I want to look at a soldier. We've looked at a farmer. Uh, we've looked at salt and light. Uh, we've looked at a student. And tonight we want to look at a soldier. Second Timothy chapter Uh, 2, the Bible describes the Christian life as a battle. Uh, As soldiers in this battle, we are privileged to serve under the greatest captain ever, and we have assured victory. Isn't that neat? It's the first time, the uh, the first battle that's ever taken place where the victory is foretold and assured. As soldiers for the Lord Jesus Christ, we then must be strong. We should be getting the proper spiritual diet and exercise. We must be single-minded. We have to endure hardness. We have to resist distractions. We should be motivated to the highest standards of excellence as a, as a soldier. We have to be secure. We can understand our position, our destination, and our commission. And those are some of the things I want to discuss this evening as we talk about being a soldier uh, in the battle for the Lord. Let's look at Second Timothy 2, starting at verse number 1. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses. The same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier... Of Jesus Christ, no man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please Him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Father, I pray You help us now as we look at tonight our responsibilities as a soldier in this battle. We pray in Jesus' name, Amen. A good soldier follows the commands of, his, of their leaders to uh, win a military victory. He's faithful to the end, uh, whether in victory or defeat, whether in life or death. He does his duty, no matter the circumstances, uh, in spite of the difficulties. Uh, The Bible describes the Christian life as a battle here. It calls us soldiers. Unfortunately, many Christians, we don't realize that we're living in a war zone every day. Sometimes we do realize it but not always. Sometimes we forget that. People think when they get saved that they're getting on a cruise ship, when in truth they're getting on a battleship, really. And we are not, uh, life is not always uh, unicorns and flowers. Sometimes there's difficulties and hardness that we have to endure. But because we can't see the battle that surrounds us, sometimes we doubt its reality. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 talks about this battle. It says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this present world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now, it talks there about wrestling. Wrestling involves an intense struggle for supremacy. Wrestling was very important in the Roman world at the time that Paul was writing this. During the time of the Apostle Paul, the outcome of a wrestling match could be very serious. Imagine this. Today, if you wrestle, you either win or you don't win, and you go home either way. And that day, the loser might have his eyes gouged out. So uh, you had a very uh, high uh, attempt to victory, you can imagine. So it was very serious then. Because with so much at stake, each contestant would give their absolute best effort. But it's interesting in this verse, Ephesians six twelve, 12, uh, not only about the wrestling, about the battle, but... Who we fight, notice again it says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Uh The who we fight is not flesh and blood, it's not each other. <laughs> oh, in churches so many times people fight against each other. We're not to fight amongst each other. You're not the enemy, I'm not the enemy. We don't fight against other people. Uh, and by the way, we waste far too much time in our churches fighting against flesh and blood. Paul says we're not fighting against flesh and blood; we're fighting against something greater, something more sinister—spiritual wickedness in high places. We're fighting against the rulers of darkness of this world, principalities. More is at stake in the unseen spiritual warfare world than any wrestler has ever faced. Second Timothy chapter two here, and and uh, Ephesians chapter six both. Warn the Christian uh, to prepare himself with the armor of God. Ephesians 6 lays it all out for us to give his all in the spiritual battle he faces daily. Paul told Timothy to fight a good fight of faith. And then our text proceeds to, in the next verse, describe the qualities of a successful soldier. Our lives should contain these qualities. And that's what I want to talk about this evening. Let's look Uh, just break it down on how to be a good soldier for Jesus Christ. We begin out with being a strong soldier. A soldier must be strong and fit for the battle. And a Christian soldier is no exception. Look at verse 1. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. It is not your own strength. It's strength in him, strength in his grace. No one sets a goal to be weak. I wouldn't think, anyway. We want to be strong and healthy, don't we? We, we would like to be strong. The increasing uh, number and size of fitness and diet uh, uh, industries and pills and and programs, they all reflect this. People want to be strong. Uh, fitness centers, health food stores, vitamin shops, they're everywhere that you turn. And everyone agrees that diet and exercise are keys to strength and health. I go to the doctor once a year, whether I need to or not, for my annual checkup. And one of his first questions, what my diet is and what my exercise is, like it's any of his business what I do on my own time, but that's what he wants to know. Uh, because we know it's important and we don't like diets. I heard a story of a uh two co-workers there together and, and uh one of the coworkers asked his friend, why do you why did you get a dozen donuts if you're on a diet? I knew you're, you said you're on a diet, and yet here you are eating donuts. And uh, he said, well, it's like this. I drive by a donut shop every day on my way to work, and I'm always tempted to stop. And this morning I told the Lord, Lord, if you want me to stop and buy a donut, make there be a parking spot right in front there of the donut shop. And sure enough, my eighth time around, there it was, and I had to stop and get a donut. Uh, we don't like diets. We don't we don't like to eat good. Uh, but new military recruits, they're required to take uh basic training and, and they're required to watch their uh to, to make sure they get a handle on these things. The primary goal in this training is to make the recruit physically fit and strong enough and disciplined enough. This training prepares the recruit for later uh service assignments and uh for the battle, essentially. Anything that's left to itself, decays and declines. Anything, it falls apart, it deteriorates. A garden left to itself is going to fill up with weeds. A house that nobody lives in, thats they say that's one of the worst things for a house is to leave it empty because it deteriorates, it decays when nobody's in it. A car will eventually cease to run, unless it's a Jeep. But I mean, most cars, they stop running. Uh, They deteriorate. Everything left on its own will deteriorate. And if we are not constantly making an effort to keep ourselves strong and healthy and in our physical condition, then inevitably we're going to deteriorate. To be strong Christian soldiers, we also need to maintain our spiritual diet and exercise so that uh, we have a a strength in our spiritual warfare. So what we're doing here is we're just likening, much like the physical body, we got to eat right and do all those things. We have to do so spiritually as well. Let's talk about that regimen spiritually. First of all, what's our, what about our diet, spiritually speaking? Now, the word of God in the Bible is often compared to food. Job 23.12, I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. The Bible says in Psalm 119.103, How sweet are, the word, are thy words unto my taste. Jeremiah 15.16, Thy words were found. And I did eat them. First Peter two two. As newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. Uh, we uh, see that the, our spiritual food is very important. Now, serious athletes, they understand the. I can't say we right. Serious athletes, we understand the importance of eating the right food. Can you, will you buy the fact that I'm a serious athlete? Probably not. Uh, they they measure calories. They measure their protein intake. They monitor their diet for proper nutrients. They ensure that their bones and their muscles are strengthened and sustained. A proper diet is essential for the athlete who wants to succeed. A proper diet is important for the soldier who must stay in the proper physical shape to carry out his order. And can I tell you, a proper diet is important for a Christian soldier as well. Napoleon Bonaparte said, to be effective, an army relies on good and plentiful food. Frederick the Great said, an army marches on its its stomach. Food's important in the battle. Generals recognize that. Uh, That's a very important part of of a war effort, is keeping the troops fed. And so a a Christian soldier also needs a proper diet, uh, the meat of the Word of God. Can I tell you the world is very quick to offer a whole selection of harmful food, sin, and junk food, distraction. Uh, it's not all bad. Sometimes it's just junk food, but it's like potato chips. I love potato chips. Isn't that the best? And I looked, uh, one time I was thinking, I got I to gotta cut out a few things. So I put in the top 10 worst foods. I just Googled it. The top 10 worst foods. And of course, a whole bunch of sites came up. So the first one I clicked on it and it had a list number 1 potato chips. And so I said, what do they know? I hit return, went back one, we'll go to the next list. And the next list, the top one, potato chips. There this is a cabal, you know, I think there's something going on here. And I find out that every list that you go to, the top one or two is going to be potato chips. And it, they're so good, especially salt and vinegar. <sighs> Yummy, they're great. But they're no good for us. Uh it gives no nutrition eat too many, it's very harmful. And uh, this is true in the physical realm. Fast food restaurants and microwave dinners, they're not any good for us. But it's also true in the spiritual realm. There's a lot of junk food out there. It's not good for us. Spiritually speaking, self-help leaders who claim spiritual truths, but if their advice is not based on the Word of God, it's junk. It's junk food. It's not going to help us at all. We need to watch our diet physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally. Spend time feeding on the Word of God daily. It's so important. To be a good spiritual uh, Christian soldier, we need to watch our diet and make sure that we're keeping it up. Uh, Spend some time in God's Word. Don't just read a verse and, I I call them Twinkie devotions, you know, just eating a Twinkie, just uh, one verse and two-line prayer and on with our day. I mean, we uh, want to, that won't really help you grow in the Lord. Think about a Cow chewing on her cud. You ever seen that? We grew up with cows and I used to watch our cow, especially our milk cow. She would lay out right outside our, our window there in the living room and, and we'd watch her and she'd be just chewing her, like a teenager chewing gum, just chewing her cud. Chewing. And then we'd watch and then she would swallow it. I don't know if you ever seen this or not, but she'd swallow it. Then we do like the five-second countdown, five, four, three. Then you'd see a big fist-sized lump come up her throat, all the way up her throat, back into her mouth. And then she'd start chewing on that. Wouldn't that be great? You go to Taco Bell, wolf it down, and later bring it back up and just enjoy it again and keep chewing on it. Uh, She's maybe not Taco Bell. I don't know. That's bad enough the first time around. But, uh, But she's not in a hurry. She's getting everything she can chewing on that cut getting everything she can out of it. We need to do the same with the Word of God. Dwell on it. The Bible says, promises in Joshua, that success comes from meditating on the Word of God. It's important. Diet. Second, exercise. The words diet and exercise are paired. If we eat and do not exercise, if there's an expansion that takes place, Uh, talk to Brother Jeremy about it. He can tell you all about that. Uh, that expansion Uh, exercise without eating properly listen now exercise without eating properly is not that good either this is frustrating to me because as a rule of thumb my wife which is my fitness guru will always tell me that uh, 80% of the problem is diet only about 20% is is exercise The, the problem is a lot of Christians find it a lot easier to exercise than to diet properly. Exercise, I'm talking about, going to church faithfully, even teaching a class, serving, while their diet suffers. Exercise is easy. I don't mind exercise. I'm in the gym almost every morning, and uh, don't mind it. Try to get my two miles in, do a little lifting. Exercise is fine. Diet's the hard part. Exercise is really the easy part. And uh, so... This is important. Those two have to be paired. And we have to make sure that we're, yes, doing the exercise, but also uh, having the proper diet. How can we as soldiers of Christ exercise in a spiritual sense? Well, first of all, exercise your faith. Uh, Abraham is a a great example of a man who exercised his faith. Faith is extremely important uh, because the Christian life is lived by faith. It's the only way we please the Lord is by faith. Uh, God instructs us to walk by faith in every area of our life, 2 Corinthians 5, 7, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Romans 14, 23, for whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Faith is like a muscle, it doesn't grow naturally, has to be exercised. As we exercise living by faith, uh, it'll become a habit. Uh, you know how we establish bad habits in our life, is by repetition uh, of wrong actions, and we establish good habits in our life by the repetition of good actions. I don't know if it's scientifically correct or not, but my first pastor that I served under always said, uh, live by the rule of 17. Do it 17 times and it'll be a habit. And it'll, To make a habit, you Get if you want to have a habit of getting up every day at 5 o'clock to read your Bible, do it for 17 days and then it'll become a much easier to do it. So I don't know how scientific that is, but we're talking about repetition. And we need to exercise our faith. Exercise... Trusting in God, even when it's in difficult situations. That takes work. That's not easy to do. Exercise reading and believing the promises of God. Exercise obeying the commands of God. We need to exercise our faith. Also exercise ourselves in right living. Paul did this, and he was able to tell Felix about his clear conscience in Acts 24:16. And herein do I exercise myself, he said, to have always a conscience void of offense toward God, and toward men. He practised right living so that he'd have no regrets in front of God and in front of man. Takes exercise, though. No matter the situation or the difficulties, he exercised himself to do the right thing every time. And then we also need to exercise ourselves in godliness. First uh, Timothy four seven, but refuse profane and old wives' fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. For bodily exercise profiteth little, But godliness is profitable in all things. We need to exercise ourselves in being godly, having a proper attitude toward God, uh, giving Him the respect and the honor that He deserves. I'm talking about uh, exercising that because it doesn't come naturally. This is something we have to work on. When evaluating your spiritual diet and your exercise, keep in mind there's always room for growth, isn't there? Always. God doesn't expect a baby Christian to do what he expects from a mature Christian. But we ought to be growing at all times in our life. And so we need a proper spiritual diet and consistent exercise to grow to be a strong soldier. That's the first one. Secondly, a single-minded soldier. A soldier must be single-minded. Look with me, verse number three. Uh, let's look at four. No man that warreth entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please whom hath chosen him to be a soldier. Uh, this, what are the characteristics of a single-minded soldier? Well, first of all, he says in verse 2, to endure hardness. Hardships are a part of a soldier's job description. That's gonna be, there's going to be hardships. Uh, hardships are a part of a Christian's job description too. It's not always easy. There's difficulties. The, the hymn in our hymnals asks this question, Shall I be carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease? while others fight to win the prize and sail through bloody seas, we're in a battle. It's not always easy. There are difficulties. Paul encourages in Philippians 3, 14 to press toward the mark of the high calling. Success will take effort. It'll take determination. It'll take endurance. And we need to be willing to endure hardness. Let me ask you this. Are you a fair-weather Christian only? We serve God when it's easy. We don't serve Him when it's hard. We need to endure hardness. At the end of basic training of a U.S. Marine, there's an intense event called the crucible. And here they experience, it's, it's a nightmare. Uh, sleep deprivation, food rationing, a series of intense mental and physical tests. They're, they have to be awake for 54 hours. They go on a 40-mile hike, among other things, a 40-mile hike. They learn survival and teamwork. In that 54 hours, they can have a total of four hours sleep and they get three meals in that time. It's the hardest thing up to that time in their life that any of them have ever done. I watched a video about it and I wanted to nap after just watching the video. I mean, it tired me out just watching what they have to go through. But think of the endurance that's required for a recruit to make it through the crucible. A soldier is expected to endure hardness. And by the way, aren't you glad they're defending our nation? I want soldiers that defend our nation to have went through some hardness and to, to be better than I am. Because if I'm defending this nation, we're all in trouble. Amen? But uh, we want good soldiers. As Christian soldiers, God, ex- God wants us to demonstrate our single-mindedness mind- by enduring hardness. But God also promises that there's going to be a need for endurance. Uh, if you've got your Bible still at 1 Timothy, you probably don't need to turn a page, but look at 3.12. Chapter 3, verse 12. Yea, and all that will suffer uh, will live godly in Christ Jesus shall, shall, shall suffer persecution. There's going to be a need for endurance. And 1 Peter 4, 12. Beloved, think it not strange uh, concerning the fiery trials that try you as though some strange thing happened to you. Don't be shocked when hard times come, he says. God promises us hardness. He promises us afflictions. And then he also promises us joy and peace. He goes on, But rejoice insomuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, and that when His glory shall be revealed, you also may be glad with exceeding joy. How can we truly know the peace of God if there's never any unrest? How can we really know real joy if there's no sorrow? So he he says, yes, there'll be sorrow, but there's going to be joy too. John sixteen thirty three. these things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. We can remain single-minded by committing ourselves to endure hardness. And then, he goes another step here, to remain free from entanglement. A single-minded soldier refuses to be distracted by anything that competes with his duty. Look with me in 2 Timothy 2, 4. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him which hath chose him to be a soldier. I don't know if you've ever seen it or seen a video or seen it on TV. I've never seen it in person, but I've, I've watched a little bit about it. The Tomb of the Unknown Soldier in Arlington National Cemetery. I want to go sometime and see it. It's a monument to soldiers who have died whose bodies were not identified. The tomb is guarded 24 hours a day, seven days a week. The sentinel on duty, it's quite an honor to be in that position, and he performs his responsibility with tremendous ceremony and precision. He takes 21 steps across the tomb. He turns and faces the tomb for 21 seconds. He then turns and changes the weapon to the outside shoulder and walks the other direction for 21 steps and counts another 21 seconds. The number 21 uh, symbolizes the highest military honor bestowed, hence the 21-gun salute. The, very precisely honoring and doing his duty. He allows no distractions to his mission. I was watching, uh, and, and they were just had filmed different uh, weather Uh, whether it's raining, whether it's pouring, nothing changes. He does that duty. It doesn't matter what is happening. People can be shouting at him. Uh, There can be distractions. He is laser-focused on doing that duty. That's a good soldier, and as a Christian, we need to be the same way. Um, They even said on there that if his nose itches, he doesn't scratch his nose. It waits until he's done off his duty, and then he'll scratch his nose, but nothing deters him from his duty. They're not allowed to drink ever. They can't even in their personal time for life. It's a tremendous uh, honor and there's only so many in our country that have had that position and they have stringent requirements for their personal behavior because you represent that job there. And there's so many things we can take and apply to our Christian life as well. No distractions, no entanglements keeps this soldier from performing his duty. Would to God that we would live that way as a Christian. We would be that focused. Because we can become overly concerned with stuff, hobbies and houses and cars and things. Matthew 6, 24, No man can serve two masters. For either he'll hate the one and love the other, else he'll hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, (laughs) the Bible says. So, in trying to serve the Lord and ourselves... The Lord and our finances, the Lord and our hobbies, not gonna work. We gotta choose one. And this distraction can make us unstable soldiers. And we don't want to be unstable, we want to be stable. And again, this isn't necessarily sin we're talking about, just distractions. James 1 8 says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Free yourself from distractions. Keep your focus on the Lord. And then he also obeys his commanding officer. A submitted soldier is an effective soldier. Under battle conditions, there's going to be occasionally some confusion about who's in charge. Not only that, there will be some confusing orders issued. Military progress cannot be resolved or cannot be made until this confusion uh, is taken care of. He's got to know, they know who's in charge and they learn through all their training to follow orders. As long as we're trying to fight our way, we're not going to be successful for the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to learn to do what he says. If we have however many people here tonight, or we have, I think, 97 members right now, if we have 97 church members all going their own direction and doing their own thing, we're not going to be very effective, are we? But if we're following one captain and we have one mission and we have one goal and we have a common uh, a common purpose and we'll really get done what we need to. Uh, We have to follow our supreme commander. I like the story of Joshua when he's outside Jericho contemplating the battle. And I think he's just looking and thinking about what's going to happen the next day. And he encounters a man with a drawn sword. Remember that? And he asks a question in Joshua 5.13. Art thou for us or our adversaries? I love... (laughs) I always chuckle when I read this verse. Uh, the man said, no. Are you for us? Or are you for our adversaries? No. That's what he said. He said, nay. But as captain of the host of the Lord, I now come. Uh, I'm not for you or your adversaries. I'm the Lord. You're with me. You do what I tell you to do. The Lord is our captain. And he gave. then, then he proceeded to give Joshua his battle plans. And they weren't what you would call good battle plans. They were walking around the place. Imagine getting that battle plan. Joshua's a soldier. And uh, his captain says, what I need you to do, boy, this will really get him. I need you to walk around the joint seven times. Seven days, walk around. And then, on, get this, on the seventh day, you're going to walk around seven times. Woo-hoo! That doesn't sound very threatening, does it? You ever tell a bully when you're getting beat up in school, you stop it, or I'm going to come walk around your house. That's not a threat; doesn't scare anybody. But Joshua did it, and the Lord show, the Lord did the work. Amen. God always will do the work if we just follow the Lord. Uh, the world always prefers to cut corners. Many times we do that, but success in warfare, in the Christian warfare, demands a single-minded soldier, one that will obey the Lord in every area. Don't allow your heart to dwell on the difficulty of the warfare. Just do what God tells you to do and don't be distracted by worldly entanglements. He says here, no man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. I talked about last week a little bit about the doctrinal arguments that are going on online. I don't do too much on Facebook as far as I never argue with people on Facebook. I want to. I've even started typing stuff out and said, nah, I'm not going to do that. I'll just delete it because I'm just not going to get involved in it. But people argue about King James, people argue about whether the Asbury revivals real. They argue about all these different things. And, uh, you know, when I look at that, I think that that's entangling yourself. That's what you're doing. You're not really in the battle then. You're just entangling yourself with things that are going to distract you. All right, so we have, number one, a strong soldier. Number two, a single-minded soldier. And finally, a secure soldier. A soldier must understand who he is where he's headed, and what his responsibilities are. This recognition will provide a sense of security for him to focus on his mission. Let's look first at his position. He knows who he is. He knows where he stands. He knows his identity. We know who we belong to. We know who our captain is. Christians must be aware of our position. It's a great honor to be a soldier for the King of Kings. Amen? and to be in a battle that we have an assured victory. Because if you read the back, like the last couple of chapters, you see we win in the end, amen? You'll lose some battles along the way, but the war, we will win. And so you know your position, then your destination. We know where we're headed. We already know our final destination. John fourteen two. in my house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go, I will come again, receive you unto myself. A soldier in Christ's army understands his promotion schedule. Can I tell you our promotion schedule? Suffering first, victory later. So we have to endure hardness for a time. And then there's victory after. Our future is secure. Look at verse number 12 of uh, 2 Timothy 2. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. So sometimes there's a little bit of suffering. Sometimes there's a hard time that we go through, but let's endure it, and in the end, uh, we'll be rewarded for it. Our future is secure. We have no need to fear the evil one. The Bible promises we're on the winning side. We have Christ's promise that someday we'll reign and rule with Him. And then our commission. Our commission has been given. We've been given our marching orders. Absolute obedience is required. Faithfulness is required. I believe the same faithfulness required of stewards is required of soldiers. When the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 4, 2, moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. I think that the same, we could stick the word soldiers in there too. We are stewards, we are soldiers, we ought to be faithful. Our commission in reality, our commission uh, he commands us to fight, First uh, Timothy 6:12, Fight the good fight of faith, to lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Paul obeyed this commission. Do you remember what he said? Uh, it was just shortly before he died. In 2 Timothy 4:7, he says, "I have fought a good fight. I've kept the faith, I've finished my course. That 's a part of living the Christian life. It 's a fight. We have to fight our flesh. Every day of our lives, got to fight it uh, we we got to wrestle with principalities and powers uh, and, and these these things are a daily part of our life, and to be successful, we go to Ephesians chapter six, by the way, and there you'll see your armor list, you know, and uh, I don't watch many James Bond movies, but the, some of the older ones I've seen they before he goes out on his mission, he goes and gears himself up, you know, he gets a pen that I don't know. A piece of gum, if you chew it, blows up. You know whatever the stuff James Bond gets, and he arms himself. Ephesians six is that room. That's where we go to arm ourselves, and it tells you all the things the the uh, things that we arm ourselves as as a Christian. But uh, let's be good soldiers. We must be strong, getting the right diet and exercise. We need to be single-minded, enduring hardness, resisting distractions. We need to be secure understanding our position understanding our destination understanding our commission and that'll help us in our fight that we are in in this christian life that really the bible calls it a battle and it calls us soldiers so let's be a good one father we thank you for the text thank you for the challenge i pray you'd help us now as we go throughout the rest of our or the beginning of our week i should say and pray